I'm Craig Parkinson, and this is the Two Shot Podcast. Pop the kettle on and let's dive in. since I first had it. So this episode that you're about to hear was supposed to kick off the new episode last week, but I was in bed with the deepest, croakiest, most painful voice, and uh, it was impossible for me to record, which is why we're doing it this week. So it's here, a brand new two-shot podcast. Now, before I went away for my birthday, I went to London to meet producer Griff and to sit down and record a couple of episodes and the first one you're about to hear is with Freema Adjaman and what an absolute delight she is. This is going to be one of those sort of historic TSP episodes. Yeah, I'm not going to say much more. We, Do you know what? I don't want to put thoughts in your mind about what it's going to be or what I think it is or what you think. Let's have a debrief at the end. Of course, you know Freema. She's an incredible actor and she burst onto our screens as Martha Jones in Doctor Who. Um, And sort of, she's taken it all in a stride ever since, as you'll hear, because she's an absolute delight. She's got a new show coming to Sky Atlantic and now TV on the 6th of April. It's called Dreamland. It co-stars... Lily Allen, and suffice to say, this is the Two Shot Podcast, we don't even really talk about it, because we get to know the person, we really do, she's an absolute hoot, okay, whatever you're doing, stop, or carry on, if you're on a treadmill, don't, don't, don't stop if you're doing that, I'm so pleased you're back with us, we're really, really thrilled to bring you this episode, this is the Two Shot Podcast with the wonderful Freema Adjaman. Enjoy. I'll see you at the end. But it's perfect, and we're sat here, a couple of Pisces with some tea and some water. <laughs> yes. I think this is quite a good, rainy International Women's Day, don't you? It is, it is. Yeah. And very all-liquid-based for this, for these Pisces. <laughs> this is, it's all coming together, for yeah. it's like It's like we'd planned it. And speaking of International Women's Day, yes. Freema, answer me this. What... Woman, dead or alive, do you most admire? Oh, man. <laughs> That's a huge one. Do you want to have a think about it? We'll move on. We'll go on something well, different. These are just little warm-up things. They, they can answer. They, they can be a big answer. They can be a small answer. Well, that's answer. the thing, isn't it? Because it could be... 
I could go very, you know, deeply political and, you know, people who move needles and change landscapes or I could be like, you know, <laughs> something very light and poppy that makes makes me smile. It's sort of, you know, what well, I don't... It is a hard one. It is a hard one. I'll, I'll come back to All it right, and then. I'll ask you a good film or a good book. A good book. What's what you've been reading at the moment? Well, I'm guilty of owning a Kindle. That's nothing to be guilty for. But but the 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 point is, I have about five books open all at once, and I knew that would happen when I bought the Kindle. Mm. I actually prefer a hard copy, mm. beginning to end. Mm-hmm. I like the look of it, of a book, the smell of a book, the the decoration that it gives you for free in Going your house. Into the bookshop is an absolute oh. treat. My God, my brother just said that to me the other day. He went, I've just discovered going to bookshops with his um, fiance. They just spent, I was like, yeah, it's just a thing to do. So um, I love that. But then I was like, I need a Kindle for, you know, at the gym and stuff. You want to put it down yeah, yeah, on yeah. the beach, sticky fingers and wet seaness. Um, yeah, the Kindle's going to be better. But I thought, don't download and open more than one book at a time. And there's just loads on there. They range between self-help, <clears throat> fiction, um, uh, all sorts, but I'm. I think I'm going to just be stricter. Yeah. With completing one. It's interesting. You say I, I find it very difficult on a Kindle for, for the for the reasons that you just said, but also turning the page. Oh no! The physical act of turning the page, and also I get a call from the kitchen. I get a call from my son. The folding over. Oh. I mean, I say that, I'm never sat down reading a book when my son's around, because like, <laughs> as if I have that, you know, <laughs> glorious time for myself. Folding that page over. Okay. Have you not a bookmark, bookmark man, then? No, I'm not a bookmark no. man. No, I probably should be, shouldn't I? Is that, is, am I disrespecting the book? No, 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 no. No, I mean, I might be disrespecting, I'm, I might be guilty of underlining. I used, pe- I Instagrammed a picture once, and I had obviously had this passage in a book, and I had written in the margin and and people were like do not write in books and no. i was like oh man no actually <laughs> i think you should like if there's something I, I, there yeah. that that speaks to you or sings to you or you learn something or there's there's I don't know, a fact that you didn't know i'd definitely highlight that of course i did that with a brian grazer book a few years ago and it's still there on my bookshelf it's fantastic it's but i find that with like with our work as well if you know, and I'm all about you know reducing paper and there's so much waste. Right. I understand, but if I get a script, I find it very very difficult to read and certainly impossible to learn lines if it's on the iPad. I agree. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe it's just because I'm soon to be forty, <laughs> and maybe that's of a certain age. <laughs> I don't know. No, I agree. I've tried. I'll look at it online and then just. I'm not, I'm a bit of a Luddite, so I do see people with their iPads with the pen that mm-hmm. mark a thing. I wouldn't even know where to begin. No. So I'm just like, no, no, just scroll. Impossible. But I was on a job where they printed um, the sides out A5. So you're getting half of it. I mean, yeah. not that, sorry, not the, the sides you always get A5, but you're getting your, your scripts mm. were reduced. Well, that's why I've got, I've got these, because it got to a point where I was looking at scripts. I was going, I can't, can't. I can't read that. My eyes are going... <laughs> and, and if I, and if, I, if I can't read, I can't do my job. 
Um, tell me, city shopping or a country stroll? Country stroll. All That's the easiest long. one I've done so far. <laughs> We're at the theatre, Freema. You're not enjoying it. Do you walk out of the interval or do you see it through? It's something that's come up and I only say that because I, I, I have a very strong opinion on this question. Well, I'm, well then we're probably going to... I hope we agree, but we probably won't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you won't... Not about me. You won't kick me out. Nope. Um, it's the same with a book, um, which I was going to mention earlier. Even if I'm not enjoying it, I have to finish it. Mm. I know. That's sort of a waste of precious life. But then I think to myself... You know, that completist in me kind of goes, I've started, so I'll finish. No, I like, I have to draw a line under this. Yeah, I have I to understand. read the whole thing and say, I didn't enjoy this. I gave it every chance. I finished it. And um, so I would sit through. <laughs> no, this is interesting. Uh, <laughs> would you say you're a better host or a better guest? Interpret that as you will. Interpret that. That's like... um Saying driver or passenger, isn't it? That's funny, that's my next. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guessed. Yeah. Because I, I will invariably kind of go and ask the host if they need any help. I want to act like the host without the responsibility of being or, the host. Or, or, the, or the pressure. Or the pressure. I was talking to somebody again at the, the birthday party that I went to on Saturday night and it, he was so happy that people were there. Yeah. But he said the weeks leading up to it, he was terrified that no one was going to show. It wasn't a big party by any means, but everybody was there. And the relief that everybody said, I said, never again. There's a reason why I've <laughs> never had a birthday party before. I just cannot handle this <laughs> this pressure leading up to it. I know what you mean. All right, maybe we'll dive into birthdays a bit later. <laughs> what is it that you... And I don't want this to be negative, although it sounds like a negative question. Um, what is it that you most dislike? That I most dislike. Mm. Intolerance. Um, people <laughs> being rude <laughs> and unkind. Any kind of lack of empathy, really, really gets me. <laughs> That is the correct answer. Well done. <laughs> you have won. Saturday night or Sunday morning, Freema? Saturday night! <laughs> <laughs> Has it always been a Saturday night? Oh, I love a party. I love a party. I just do. And, and we talked about our birthdays coming up and about planning things. I plan them and I, they extend about two weeks. Long, really? And I want to make memory after memory and celebrate with people I love repeatedly. Someone said to me once, oh, no, people who like birthdays, it's only because it's coming from like an egotistical place. They want all the attention on them, all the energy. And I was like, oh, that's, that's not the way mm. I perceived it at all. I kind of felt like mm, the next month, the next week, the next hour is not guaranteed. I'd quite like to celebrate 
another soda revolution. And, and also <laughs> bring people together. So In and around with yeah. people that I love and get nourished by and energised by. And we can just enjoy good food and good chat and good drinks and, and sing and dance and really just express some gratitude for being here is how I see it. So, um, and I don't care about aging. I think as well, I'm not speaking for people who don't like birthdays, but that often comes up. Mm -hmm. Don't want to talk about my, don't acknowledge I'm getting older. Don't want to talk about aging. Well, we're all headed in one direction. Um, and I think that the, the benefits of aging, the wisdom and the, the life experience that we get in exchange for get, being another year older, I just think is, is sublime. Um, but so anyway, love it, love it. Anywhere where I have, um, so in my apartment when I was living in New York and anywhere that I consider home, there's always a bar and people come around and go, and I'm not saying a party equals drink. However, I would always make sure I have a well-stocked bar. Again, it's not just for me, it's for <laughs> other people. It's for other people. Because someone's like, what is that? Why is there so much? I said, I always like the idea that there's a potential for a party at any second. And we all know that the best parties are the impromptu parties. The impromptu parties. just happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's one, two, ten people around. You know, there's something happened. Like, you know, your kid got a brilliant grade at school. Or, or I don't know, your team won something. It's just, there's always something. Or you've just had a minor or major win in whatever level in your life. Just, come on, man, there's too many things to be happy for. How long are you in New York for? Four years. Overall, six, but consecutively four. I did six months. Find it very. I mean, I loved it. Don't get me wrong, but what a city! What could be? I saw that it could be a very unforgiving city. But what a buzz! Did you have a good time? That's so accurate. It's like a mirror, and it whatever you're feeling, it will bounce that back mm. at you. Mm. And because it can make you feel overwhelmed, and you know, I don't know. Just there's a lot. There's a lot of energy, and I feel like if you go out feeling like you're about to be squashed, right. you will get squashed. There's a lot of energy, <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's a lot. And I had to find, I feel like the way it worked for me is I had to find my hood, my tribe, my rhythm. Because if you try, because it's, a, you know, it's relatively small enough, you can feel like there's always something going on over there and over here and over there. You're just trying to be on the pulse of everything and it's exhausting and overwhelming. And I found I had to streamline that and find a neighbourhood and a way of life and then it becomes, you know, manageable. Yeah. And um, and I really enjoyed it. So I went, I actually went from Manhattan to to Brooklyn, and um, found a little area that I loved. And and um, yeah. But before then, I was a bit like, "Whoa, this is high octane." Yeah, it's full on. I mean, you say that about you know, going in with the right, finding the right energy, finding the right tribe. That's like what we did at school anyway. Because you go right, where do I fit in here? Who's gonna listen to me who can i listen to who can i learn off who can i be accepted by who's gonna accept me so true it's the same right or places of work uh -huh. i mean we're constantly anyway. we're constantly doing aren't we constantly i mean now i've you know been doing it quite a long time and for every new job for every new start of school you hope really hope that if there's Generally, there's somebody on the cast list that you've worked with before, and that's great, right? Yeah. 
And then you go, if there's somebody behind the camera that I've worked with before or somebody in the sound department and we've got a shorthand, that, that that's, makes me a bit more comfortable. I'm a little bit less nervous, a little bit so less, less anxious. So true. Do you find that? That's 100% true. Yeah. And that's, again, another beauty of, of experience and, 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 you know, getting on further and further in life and in your career, that that kind of... that. That having, you know, a, a bigger network of people that you know increases the the odds of you knowing someone on each new job that you go on. Yeah. So I have found that definitely that as time has gone on, I can pretty much be reassured of the fact that there's going to be a familiar, friendly face there. Mm. Um, and then that gives you the confidence then to then, I don't know, go out and try and make new friends. But I was having this conversation with someone the other day. and I was like, as an adult, how do you say to someone, do you want to be friends? Mm. <laughs> So much easier when we were kids. I was, oh I was God. talking to the days with friends. You know, we uh, stop playing in a way when we sort of find sex and we go, oh, well, this is this new thing now, so therefore I need to be grown up and I need I'm <laughs> completely self-conscious about my body. I can't be, just be free yeah. and go and jump naked on a trampoline like oh. I used to do. Mate, see, that sounds like a party right yeah, there as well. I mean, we, don't, we don't talk about that party, Freeman. I'm just going to say I was never convicted for anything. Oh <laughs> just, just for anybody listening, uh, that was just a little joke. <laughs> you mentioned before about um, New York and you said the word home, wherever my home is. Do you find it easy bouncing around wherever you are to go, right, I'm here now for the X amount of time, I'm going to make this my home, or this is just my base for the next job? Because it is tricky, isn't it? It always takes me a bit of time to make a new place a home, even even if it's just for three months. But it's important to come back to at night, I think. Yes, definitely. Um, I... I... I think I am very much a gypsy at heart. Right, okay. And I like... Now, at at this stage in my life, and it may change, not having particularly fixed roots. Mm -hmm. Um, I like adventure. I like exploring. I am always looking for something new. Um, Again, someone said to me the other day, because I think a lot of the people around me are more conventional in their kind of the construct of their life and lifestyle. And um, someone was like, well, you, you seem like you're always running. And I was like, I am, but not from anything towards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm running everywhere in every which way. Because there's just too much to try and get in in one life. And I want to experience as much of it as I can. Um but then what I did start to find is when you do find yourself wherever, if you don't have your people there, you don't have your tribe, you don't have your your familiarities, then you kind of have to start making home within. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing a lot of spiritual work over the last few years. And I tell you, I just had like an amazing two hour long guided visualization yesterday for the full moon. Like we do it every full moon, every new moon. And then I do my own rituals in between that. And, um, and so I suppose wherever I go, I have my little ritualistic things that I bring with me and that I do and um, that I can kind of get comfort from to find my grounding. And then from there, I can spread out and be bold and brave and leap for branches I can't see. 
and which helps you set foundations for however long that's going to be at the specific home that you're going to be in. Do you think, have you always had that nomadic spirit within? Because it's, it's, it's very easy to adopt that nomadic lifestyle because of the very nature of what we do because it's part and parcel of it chicken or the egg yeah Uh, what what about you i think early on i was running away i was running away but also running too so i was running away from the north of england to get to london to start trying to gain knowledge and be in, or well, certainly what I thought at the time, the city where it all happens right. at 17 years old. So I was running in away from something I didn't want to get something that I hopefully could achieve at some sort of level. I think that was my, that was my thinking when I was, when I was a late teen, yeah. But I think I was nervous as well. I think I was scared because I hadn't really been part of a, a troupe before. I'd done a few plays, but you know, mainly sort of at school or amateur stuff. But I, I, it's different because you're not you're not part of a group that everybody has the same mindset right. when, when it when it becomes semi or, or full fully professional. Do you know what right. I mean? Right, 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 yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, okay. Mm. What was like, we can go back if it'll help because we can go back to school. How was how was your school life? And like, we can jump straight into secondary school because that's where everything sort of changes and, and we change. So I was one of those kids who bloody loved school. I did a- academically. Yeah. Right, okay. Lo- loved everything about it. Loved my friends. Loved doing sports. Loved the opportunity to play a musical instrument. Loved homework. That weird. No, no, you were just ferocious. Ferocious. You, you wanted appetite, it all. yeah. That, that tastes good, I'll have that. Yeah. That, that tastes good. Brilliant. I did. And I, you know, can I you, was... Can you very... talk to my son and see if you can pass <laughs> something? <laughs> I know. Youth is wasted on the young, isn't it? If you can go look at all these opportunities, you can learn a foreign language. Yeah. You can learn an instrument. You can learn to sing. And at the time, like, I just, I just want to go and play, see my mates. And by the way, this is all for free. It's for free. <laughs> Take it seriously. Yeah. No, I mean, I... I possibly, I don't know how much of that is nature and nurture because I can sit here and say I've always had a ferocious appetite for learning and for discovering, but there was certainly my parents there, and you know, and as first-generation immigrants where they're, in, you know, very clearly showing us and explaining to us those opportunities that are real and that exist yeah. and yeah. kind of go... You know, and I remember my mum saying it. This is a moment where you could, it can change your whole future. And if you just, not for you, not for, you know, I did have a, um, also I still have it to this day, some kind of people-pleasing default where I I do want to make people proud. And I do, I don't want to see that look of, disappointment on people's faces or feeling like I've 
you know, let people down. It's such an interesting thing. But yes, were you was <clears throat> were you like that at school, or did you think that just became when you just you know became a professional actor? No, at school, right. definitely. And so my mum always used to be like, you know, you you, you want to do it not for anybody else, but for yourself. Don't worry about what I think. Don't worry about what your teachers think. But look, do it for yourself. You are gonna give yourself tools for a a future. Yeah. And she was always really supportive. It, so when I was flitting around, she was always going, great, I'm here for you. So I'm like, I'm going to be an architect. That's fantastic. I wholly support you. I'm going to be a marine <laughs> biologist. That's great. I completely support you. I'm going to be a violinist. It just worked. Blah, blah, blah. And I don't know, maybe I was even throwing things out to see what, whether she would say anything. But it was always just, I'm here for you. I'll support you. Um, and it just felt, I don't know. I really just enjoyed it. I, maybe it suited my skill set, producing product, pro, product projects, I don't know, that I could uh, be proud of and, and, and share. And, and also from what you're saying, with your appetite to gain knowledge academically and musically, creatively, and, you know, as a sportswoman, an architect or a membrologist, it could have been a possibility, right? If you'd have focused on, on one thing, you quite clearly could have done it. I honestly thought I was going towards science for the longest time. Oh, did you? The marine biologists were hung around for the longest time. And I remember my, my teacher, Miss Oldham, and she was quite, quite um, feared and, and strict. But we had a really good relationship and she would really support me as well. And I remember being entered for the higher papers at GCSEs. Right, okay. And I used to go and be like, well, I can't do it. It's going to be too hard. Mum was like, they wouldn't put, they wouldn't enter you into if a high paper. They didn't think yeah. you could do it. Mm. And I... Still a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. But coal under pressure, babe. Mm. Diamonds. <laughs> I kind of like a bit of... Well, we do. What you just said earlier about that feeling of, you know, you're looking down. We make these choices. We've picked a career where at every single turn... There's an element of fear. Yeah. And I think we thrive off of that. Yeah, I do think that. Otherwise, why would we come back again and again, year after year, constantly being judged? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. No wonder my dad was terrified when I first thought I was going to get into this industry. Because for someone, uh, you know, from, uh, from the outside, you go, how? How can you just do that and then start again? Where's the structure? Where's right. the continuity? You know, where's your nine to five? That's yeah. not that's not how we work or emotionally no. click. Well, my sister said to me, well, well, after all the marine biology went away and, and I was like, now I'm going to be an actor. Um, although that was out of the blue, really, for me. I remember early days, she was like, but how will you be able to go to sleep every night not knowing where your next pay is going to come from? And I went... How are you going to go to sleep every night knowing exactly where your next pay is going to come? Good comeback. What's, <laughs> what's the age difference between you and your 16 sister? Sixteen months. Sixteen months. Wow. So it's not that big a deal, is oh, it? We shared a room our whole lives. We. She's my best friend. She's the only person I speak to every single day, multiple mm. times a day. But our lifestyles couldn't be more different. What does she do? Um, she worked. Well, she did a law degree actually at King's. She's so so smart. Um, and I admire her so much, um, but we didn't have any money. Um, so it gets to the point where smarts just aren't enough and you, yeah. you can't afford, 
to go to the bar and the next day to then it just all stops. Um, but she uses her degree now. Um, she works at Ofcom. Right, okay. She's amazing and she's uh, spearheading a lot of projects in terms of um, the industry, diversity within the industry, um, looking at legislation. And I mean, she, there's just a lot. Basically, all the good things. All the good, <laughs> good and the great. Yes, very much so. Um, but yeah, in, in the corporate world. Yeah. In the corporate world. So we've thrown around and flitted around architecture, marine biologists, the sciences. Yeah. After the higher papers, when did you flit to a possible career in acting? Well, um, drama was just one of the GCSEs that I picked. Mm -hmm. So... Um, we, I can't remember now, but you had your 11, didn't you? And mm -hmm. some were core and then some were your options. So I picked drama because I love the arts. I picked um, art as well, fine art. Uh, and then the drama teacher asked me to be in an extracurricular production of Antigone. Right. Um, and and just a nice light comedy. And I was like, I don't know, I got this dissertation to do. I probably didn't say dissertation. What we call it? <laughs> I got this coursework. I've been in America too long. <laughs> um, I got this coursework too and I'm really busy. And blah. And she was like, no, no, but I think it'd be really good for you. So I said, oh, all right, then maybe just a small part. I'll play Ismene. And she was like, no, no, no. I, I think I, I, like, I want you to play Antigone. I said, but that's going to be like loads of pressure and loads of time <laughs> rehearsals and I can't. And she said, no, it will, I think it will just be really good for you. So I did it. And I got off the stage and was like, bye-bye dolphins. Oh, it's happened. It's happened. <laughs> Something just happened. Yeah. I think I'm going to do that. Yeah. However, then I picked my A-levels and I think still at that stage I wasn't completely sure that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I stayed with the arts because... As I say, that's a massive part of what I love, as well as the sciences. Um, so I picked fine art, English literature and theatre studies. And I completed those A-levels and then the time came for uni applications and I just... I went to a convent girls' school, an all-convent girls' school, and I remember speaking to... And there were, like, nuns. It was run by nuns at the time when I was going there and then I was talking to the careers advisor and I said, if I wanted to do acting, where would I go? go and no one in my family does it and she was like I don't know like you'd go to university and do a degree right. I didn't know about drama schools I didn't know they existed yeah. um, and I was like I don't know okay I know what I'm going to do I'm going to apply to uni to do art English literature and theatre studies and whichever one which application comes through first that's just the sign from the university and that's where you'll go that's where I'll go right and then drama came through and I was like okay then that's a sign I'll just go and do that but in another world I am sitting with an easel painting somewhere, I'm sure. Do you still keep that up? Yeah, lockdown started me back. Did it? That again. God, so it took quite a bit of time to start back. Yeah. It was a big gap because then I was, this was all consuming and and that fell away. And then, yeah, sat there in lockdown and actually went to a friend's house who is a brilliant artist. And I said, can I, can I just use one of those canvases? And he was like, knock yourself out. And he was like, just be bold with your strokes and don't hesitate. Because <laughs> I was like, okay then, but what if I ruin it? <laughs> and I did, and then that was it. Went and bought all my own stuff and haven't stopped. How did that feel? Oh, my God. For like the first time. Like seeing an old friend again. Wow. A part of you that had, had been away for so long. 
Did it feel nice to unlock that part that had been stored, been shut away for so long? Yeah. Yeah, it did. And then you, because then you start having a conversation with yourself going, well, why, why is it taking me this long? Yeah. Why do we not prioritise enough time out of our day for things that give us pleasure? But there is only so much. There's only so much you can do and, and carry on with to a certain degree and a certain level. But I suppose when the world stops, mm. you know, I was talking to somebody on the go, you know, it changed everything. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get into it because I think we've spoken about it quite a lot. But when, <laughs> when, it, when it unlocks or it awakens another part of you creatively, and not even just creatively, it's, it's, it's an incredible thing. It is. But that's such a good point that you make. We can't do everything. And I think by that, for that reason, we do nothing. Because I sometimes say to myself, oh, because I really want to get back into, you know, whatever, that, that as well. I used to do this, I used to do that. And then you start overloading your brain and going there, actually, I can't get to classes to do this. I haven't got time in the day to do this. I'll get round to it. But I think if we just started one, like just did one thing for ourselves. Yeah just one, then it might, <clears throat> I don't know, you look at your kids or you look at children, I know they don't have to think about going to work and all the rest of it, but you that you kind of throw everything, not at them, but they have opportunities to like try this and try that and try this and try that. And then, as you say, when we grow up and we lose the element of play, we also lose that element of exploration and kind mm-hmm. of, um, I don't know. And then as actors, we find it again. It comes back because we're forced to and we're, we're thrust into these new relationships with these people who we don't know. But I guarantee by the end of the day, we're going to know them a hell of a lot better. There it is. Because it's the fast forward button on, on, on friendship or not necessarily friendship, but certainly a relationship, whether it's a working relationship that blossoms into a friendship after a certain period or not, because we're thrust into that. We're forced to do that. Yeah. Which is, you know, you're talking before about how do adult, as adults, do we go, um, do you want to, do you want to be my friend? Do you want to, <laughs> do you want to stay friends? Do want, should, we, should we just stuff a chat and play? It just doesn't happen. <laughs> we can't do it. But we're lucky because that does happen every day. And therein, I think, lies the rub of, you know, you are saying, why do we, why do we continue to put ourselves in this place of fear mm. and uncertainty and anxiety and worry? Because the flip side of that is we get, we still get the opportunity to forge friendships and relationships and get exposure to, to new energy and new creatives and... And visit other countries uh-huh. that we would never, never dream of going to. So true. There is a play. The, the play has continued yeah. or, or re, been rediscovered. Mm-hmm. And I love it. But I do, you're right, I do think there is no other um, really... Maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, a sort of world of work where you are expected to trust each other. So maybe yes, of course, if you're a surgeon and you're working with a team. <laughs> um, but that level of just um, having to completely open and trust another person so quickly, mm. um, and also start again. Can't we're constantly starting again? Yeah. Oh, that finished. And we go again, but with a new team. Yeah. New team, new energy, new goal, new end line. Did you ever finish jobs and be like, 
oh my God, I've made like about five best friends. We're all going to keep in touch. This is amazing. And then go for that phase where you're like, oh. That... Then it never happened. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> of course, I'll call you next week. <laughs> of course I'll call you next week. Yeah, we'll go out and we'll do this. No. <laughs> didn't call, nothing. No, yeah, of course. And also I've been that person. On, on the other end. We always of have, course, yeah. Of course, you've got it. But, but it, the thing is, don't take that person anymore and nobody else should because it's it's of it's of that time yeah it's of that moment it's in that cocoon yeah yeah and i think you are expected to strip yourself down open yourself right up just you know for the for the very purpose of creating this work together in the most honest and authentic and beautiful way it lives in its cocoon it Blossoms into a butterfly and flies away. I got, yeah. And it's gone. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> because how many times, I think I don't see it as much, but certain relationships cross the line. And, you know, I'm just talking about people having affairs, basically. <laughs> and it's like, it's, that's not reality. Mm-hmm. You, it, you're, there's a smoke screen there. And then all of a sudden, when that clears and they come out of it, they go... Oh yeah, this this isn't a, it's not a real relationship, is it? Because we we didn't see it. We were we were um, we're blindsided by it all. Yeah, it existed. It was birthed, developed, and flourished in a land of make believe. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. doesn't live in the yeah. real world. <laughs> don't take it home with you. Kids, don't basically. take it home with you. I mean, I don't know. We'll probably have people like commenting underneath going well mine lasted i don't know maybe no but that but that just goes to prove that it was a relationship yeah born under a certain way but it what i'm talking what i'm talking about is a fleeting affair i know (laughs) know. (laughs) tell me freema when did auditioning start for you well, I haven't spoken so, about auditions for ages. Ooh, I find them quite interesting. I know it's such a funny world. Yeah, I know. I love it. Um, okay, so I finished um, at secondary school. Did that? Went to uni. Did the performing arts, and then was one of only um, two people on the whole course that didn't do the showcase at the end. Why not? Because I wasn't sure it was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So you could opt out of yeah. of doing the showcase. Yeah. So three years of studying and, you know, honing. And then they're like, right, we're inviting all the industry to come. Agents, casting directors, get your headshots ready, print them out by the back and off you go. You've got your two contrasting pieces, off you go. And I just remember thinking, I think I think because what it was, I got there and went, oh, I had no idea there's a whole world or like a rites of passage of acting. I don't think that anymore. But that was what was in my 18-year-old head. And uh-huh. I was like, all oh, these people have been to blah blah They've heard of blah blah They've already worked with blah blah Words that were like another language to me. And I felt so out of the circle and so out of the loop um, that I, I was like, okay, I'm already, I think, a few paces behind. So I'm going to use these three years to learn and and see what happens. And for a lot of people, I think it came as a finishing school, so what they already knew, and then off they went. And it was the beginning for me. So I did the three years and was like, I'm not ready. (laughs) You're not ready to jump off yet. I'm not ready to jump off yet. I can see how hungry these people are. It's terrifying me. I don't want to be even in an audition with them because I would just 
I don't think, I think I have to know I want it enough. I have to really want it enough to go after it. And that's pretty much how I operate in every area of my life. I'll just like, I want, I have a sort of focus, I think about things. And I got to that point and I was like, "Mm, no, I'm not, I don't think I want it enough. So I left and I had a part-time job in Blockbuster Video all through uni. So I went and upped my shifts there. I worked in Blockbuster Video at drama school. Did, yeah. Why are we the same person? Crouch end. Very good. Strong, strong Tottenham and Dalston. <laughs> uh, for those younger listeners, Blockbuster was a shop where you went to hire videotapes <laughs> of films. Uh, I'll be doing another podcast all about what a videotape is in a couple of weeks. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> and then the DVDs came in. And, oh my, it was all I, revolutionary. I, get, I just gave all my DVDs away. They've all gone. They've all gone. Don't need them anymore. Did, did you keep one? N- uh, no. They all went. My son, I kept my son's. I didn't throw his away. Yeah. He's got his. I'm a bit sentimental. I'd have to keep like, just a couple under the bed. We've veered off. Let's get back to the okay. top, top <laughs> blockbuster. So, yeah. So, so, so I went. I upped my shifts there. And then... Um, and then I would start... And then that was it. Someone came in from the course... And um, we had a little chat and he said, what are you doing? You're not, you're not doing it. Because the thing is as well, I should mention after that showcase, I saw people running off the stage, quickly going and checking their 10 by 8s. Some people gleeful that all, is, all of theirs had gone. Some people crying. Not one of theirs had been taken. And I was like, there's a lot of emotion in here. And I just, I just, I can't, I can't. So I'm going to go to a quiet blockbuster. So I went and then this, one of the guys from the course bumped into, you know, I don't know how many, a year or so later. And he said, um, what are you doing then? You didn't, you didn't want to continue? And I said, I don't know. I feel like I have more learning to do. Um, and then he said, well, have you heard of um, a co-op agency? And I, he said, do you have an agent? I said, no, I don't have any. I'm not doing anything. So he said, have you heard of co-op? No, he said, because he was part of this same one he was recommending. Absolutely brilliant. A group of actors get together, rent a space somewhere, chip in to hire equipment, a computer, a printer, we, we sit together, we have a name, and we are an agency. And we cold call the industry and we get each other jobs. And I was like, are you serious? And he said, yeah, we've been running for years. They were called Lynx Management. Um, and he said, we, but the way they work is they look for demographics, right? We need one of each, they want to cover the kind of industry. Yeah. And they're like, we don't have any black women on our books. Would you like to come and interview? I was like... I don't know what I'm going to say. I haven't really <laughs> done anything. And he said, no, but we're obviously all still, we're keen to have people in the in our community that are hungry, obviously, and want to learn and want to support each other. And it's that. It's just that. Come, it's a good place to learn. So I went for this interview. There was like 19 other actors sitting in this small room, no bigger than this, all like eyeballing you. Um, and just, we, we had a chat. We had a conversation. And I think... Um, they might have been impressed because that summer me and three friends decided to take ourselves off to the Cannes Film Festival under like and pretend we were a production company. What? And go and blag <laughs> because we wanted to get to the screenings, see some right. of the movies. So we we got a big meeting with like, I'm talking, I don't know how we did it. And the guy knew we were like, he was like someone to do with Lord of the Rings. I can't remember. That was when the first Lord of the Rings came out. Mm-hmm. We managed to get an interview pretending we were... I don't know, production company or something. And he let us finish and then went, you're not going to have a ticket to have tickets to the premiere, but I appreciate your confidence. And um, 
and his. And he gave us like signed photos of the Lord of the Rings cast and like gave us something for our trouble. So he totally rumbled, yeah. Totally. But then he was very kind with his rejection. Very. And was like, you carry on. Thank, that's, thank you, know, you very know. much. <laughs> thank you. Um, so he was like, you know, have that fearlessness. That's going to serve you well in this business. But, you know, no. So we, we left and I told the guys this story and they said, how? okay so I don't know maybe that helped me at that moment they let me join I made loads of mistakes on the phone calls I would call casting directors and get their names wrong or just oh they love they love that I they love that. <laughs> some of them wouldn't like some would just be like what who is this phone would go down some were really open again like this guy they'd be like Okay, we're like, hi, we've just looked through, um, we, we just see in PCR this week that you're looking for um, 35 to 45 year old um, um, female who is, a, we, we have what you need, we have what you need. And then they'd be like, okay, why don't you send them in? And if I tell you, Craig, I got my first job on tele um, through the co-op and then that sort of continued till there was a bit of a quiet spell and then I went back to Blockbusters, right? Um, where it started to get a bit trickier because people would be like, "Did I just see you on Casualty last right. week? What are you doing?" Here? <laughs> <laughs> so then I was like, "Oh man!" So then um, I then that's where your family comes into play. I don't think I would be able to be to have pursued it if I didn't have the support. Support, yeah. My mum. I still was living with my mum, or my you know. Laundry was done, the dinners were cooked, my sister paid my bills, my brother was my little therapist. He'd sit on my bed and talk me through, you know, why I was stressed about not getting this particular job. They were all there with me at every point. And then, and then things progressed and then I got um, a commercial agent and then I was able to sustain myself off my craft. I mean, not only were you learning about the technique of auditioning, you had to learn a completely new skill set of going behind the phone and on the computer, hustling for auditions for all the other people other in the people. co-op. And you mentioned auditions. I got one so wrong when I called about one of the actors in the co-op. She had to go and do... So she was auditioning for The Graduate, mm-hmm. and they said... The stage play. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, we will need her to come with a monologue prepared. We'll need her to... And then she would have to be um, obviously prepared to move and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, right, writing all this stuff down. So when I called her up, I said, so you've got your audition. Um, you've got to prepare this and prepare that. And um, and you've got to be ready to move house. Um, so, sorry? And she went... And I said, yes, because it's going to be a tour and um, and, they, and you have to be prepared to move. And I'm sort of going, I don't and of course, they just wanted to be physical. And she, so she went dressed in heels and a tight skirt, couldn't move. And I was like, this is, I'm getting like losing jobs for other people now. This is horrible. Oh. Um, but auditions, I just, I don't know, man. Some of them were just painful. Oh my God. I remember there was one where it said in the script, she kisses the guy. And I'm reading it with the director. And I said, I was like, do I, I mean, do you want me to? Do I kiss you now or... I don't, oh, mate. Oh, man. Mate! <laughs> no, Freema. No, but uh, look, it's not nothing to do with me. It's not my podcast. But I've got terrible stories. I'll Go tell on. You. I know. Just I'll, give one. I'll tell you when we've... Uh, oh, I think I've mentioned this before. <laughs> and I was quite a 
an angry young 20-year-old thinking I should just get this role. And I went in and the director couldn't be... It was like, could not be bothered, looked kind of straight through me and it was like, right, okay, re- um, do you want to do you want to read? And I went, yeah, yeah, fine. So I started the scene with the casting director and his phone goes off like a few lines in and he just turns it off, turns his phone off puts it back in his pocket, but he didn't turn it off because it went off another three times during the scene. And I just went, I I might as well just give up. Everything was against me. But I think I just went in with a terrible attitude. But I don't think I deserved that. You know, I mean, no no actor deserves that. I think they deserve a fair chance, you know? Yeah. It's just like that. Don't do that. Imagine if it was the shoe was on the other foot and we had our phone on. Oh, forget it. We would be getting phone calls. What are you playing at? Yeah, it's such a such a strange environment, isn't it? Because do you deal with them better now? Do, do you? Do you feel there's more pressure on you now? No, because I I almost feel like again with time and experience, you kind of realise that it's a mutual auditioning. Do you know what? You're one of the first people in five years that said that and I completely agree with you absolutely like we have to want to work with those people and also you both have to know we have to know that there's complicity between the two otherwise and and, you know hopefully there's some foundations there we can build trust otherwise how are we going to make the best thing that we can possibly make 100% so I walk out of there and if I'm like that chemistry was off then I don't want to work with I don't want to work there it's not going to that's not going to work I want to walk in being the Yes, the solution to your problem, quote unquote, as they say. But I also want to know that when I leave, I'm like, I can, I'm going to be in a safe environment to collaborate with you people as creatives. And, you know, this is very much a two-way street. So, no, I don't. I almost feel like the work comes secondary in a way. It's a chemistry test to see if you can work with these people. Because you could have the best role in the world. And if you are not, if you're in an environment where you're stifled, it's not going to be work that necessarily you're going to be proud of or that you're no, going to grow it's gonna, from. It's going to translate onto screen. And as we know, most of the time we're sat around. So yeah. hopefully we're going to be able to converse and discuss. Or yeah. what if there's a problem? Inevitably there is because it's always about putting out fires if there's problems. But what if there's no connection and we don't get on? And yeah. it's, we're just... But in heads, which again could happen. Yeah, that's oh, so interesting. You've said that. I can't think when I don't get jobs. I'm like, well, then absolutely. If 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 it wasn't unanimous in that room that I'm the right person for the job, then if even one person was like, I don't want her there, then I don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be go home and mourn the fact that I didn't get. Because I'm like that. That wasn't for me. That was not for me. And I know it's easier said. You know, if it's not, if it's for you, it won't pass you. But I genuinely operate from that place. But I think it's very important and healthy to hold on to things like that. Otherwise, you just get out the cat of nine tails and you're flogging yourself. It's always my fault and I didn't do this. It's like, let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Have you ever done pilot season? When I was living in New York for, for a brief period of time, yeah, I had exhausting. It's, I did it once. I did it once. And that was it, because I... For those listening at home, oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, let's just explain what pilot season is. Um, 
Does it still happen? I don't think it does in that way. Not not as what it was. No, not as what it was. Usually it would be January. That's right, Jan, Feb. A lot of British actors would be going over mainly to Los Angeles. I I was in New York, so I did a lot of mine from New York at the time, which is great because I kind of walk everywhere. Yeah. Um, And sometimes you're on four to six meetings a day and you're bouncing around and you're getting sent the oddest things. You look at the page and you go, they don't want to see me. If this, yes, they do. Go, go, go. You just fed in and out and most of the time nothing sticks and then maybe some one thing does and then you have to go through the testing process and there's another sort of three... Rounds. Yeah, (laughs) another three rounds. Anyway, yes, go on. So that's briefly, uh, rather crudely, explaining what pilot season is. Quite accurate, actually. Um, So exactly that. I got to a point where I was going in for exactly six or eight a day and I remember after think day two literally it was early I they give me the sort of lineup for the next few days and I said I did day one I did day two and I remember coming out me and my boyfriend at the time we went to I think it was the pink taco it was in there I went did it in LA and I went and ordered a huge bloody mary I remember drinking it and bursting into tears and thinking I can't I'm not going to be able to sustain this because you know, from the outside, people go, no, 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 no. Every opportunity is a good opportunity. Go, go, go. And I was thinking, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. I'm not going in giving the best of myself, giving good account of myself. What's the point? So then I said to my boyfriend, then I was like, um, I'm going to call my agent and say, I don't, don't put me in for eight a day. And he, and he was not getting that, that, that many. And he was like, you, you shouldn't like limit your chances. And I said, man, come on, it's got to be quality over quantity. It's got to be. So I called them up and I said, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you so much. Um, (laughs) But I don't want to do eight auditions a day anymore. I I can already, I feel shaky and it's like I'm two days in. But it's also, you you don't want to, you can't. You you physically cannot. You're not giving the best account of yourself. And you walk out of the room, that's the last thing they're going to remember. But I, th- I feel that about anything now. If, if you're not going to give the best account of yourself yeah. and what you can bring to the certain role, I don't go. I don't meet. Same. Same, same, yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said to them, can I go down to maybe just three a week? Oh, wow. You've gone from like eight a day to three a week. That's, I did. Yeah. I said, I want to do just three oh, a week. And obviously this was the... American agents. Yep. Wow. What did they think of that? Well, they said fine. Then I didn't hear anything for about a week and my, my fellow then went, oh, God, they're probably well pissed off at you. And I said, I, why, though? I was just being honest. And then, of course, I think they just needed to rearrange a few things. As the following week came, there was my one, there was my two, there was my three. And if I tell you, Craig, I got studio tests, Maybe like six or seven in the right. pilot season. Because you're able to be off book, mm-hmm. to play with it, mm-hmm. to do it inside out, back to front, on your head, and walk out of there going, oh, that, I feel good about that. Yeah, I did the best I could do there under that under that under those circumstances in that situation. Because yep. it is pressure because you, you're waiting around. And it is like what you see. You're waiting around with other people in that room before you go in. Yeah. And they're still muttering to themselves. Yeah. 
next year. I mean, it, you, we've seen it loads on, on films, and it is the same. It's the truth. And you're trying to just, I just need to get into the right mindset, and there's some other gays in Oh, shut up. How can you, how can you focus? That's so true. Well, smart thinking there, Freema. Cut it down, and hopefully one thing will land. I, you know, and again, and I don't know, again, it's different for everybody. Everybody works in a different way. And mm. I would never, so whenever I get asked, will you go and do talks or go to schools and talk about getting to the industry? And I'm like, there is no, this is my way. Like I did it this way and it worked for me, but I'm always loath to talk about the choices I made because if someone wants to mimic that, it might work horribly. Or it might completely, you know, totally backfire. But it will, it's, not your, it's, not, it's not your way. It's not their way. Yeah. They might work completely. So I'm like, yeah, I couldn't do it. I couldn't work that way. And I, I said to myself, if that means I've thrown my opportunities away, then I have to have the courage of my convictions and be like, stick by your beliefs. And that's that. Anyway, I, that's when I booked my first New York job. So that was the first time I lived in New York for two years. That was the Sex and the City prequel, right, Carrie yeah, Diaries. Yeah. Yep. And I did that, and then I thought... So from then on, I was like, listen to... We're not really encouraged to listen to ourselves. There's so many voices around, and it's like, you should do this, you should be doing this, bear that in mind, blah, blah, blah. But I think intuition, we can really... If we just increase the volume on that, it's been dialed down so low that we're just not hearing it anymore, and I'm trying to change that. Did you find it different working on a set over in the States? Like, I mean, I know they have a very strong work ethic, but sometimes I think they look at us and go, you told Schmo's doing it for that. What are you doing? But have you worked over there? No. No. (laughs) No. I know where my work is. I'm very happy here. I'm I'm 40 (laughs) on Saturday. It's like, I'm too old to go over there and start again. No, no, it's an interesting one, that, the difference is. I think when I went, first of all, from this way to that way, the, it was the, the things around me that I was noticing to be the difference, first of all, like stand-ins. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. So um, for those listening who, and forgive us not being patronised, if you don't know what stand-in is, Freema, tell ladies and gentlemen at home what a stand-in is. So a stand-in is somebody who is hired to... Stand in for you when the set needs to be lit um, and positionings need to be set for the camera. So you will stand down, your stand in will come and do all that and then they leave set and you take their place. I didn't realise that that was the case. So um, I remember at one point saying to this, you know, lovely lady at the time, I was like, no, no, you're all right. I'll just stay. I can stay. I don't need you because I felt like it was being a bit grand. Yeah. Because of course, because we're not used to it. We're not happen over No, here. you stand where you're told, and you do what you're and doing, and you wait, <laughs> and you line up, yeah. and you get you get the focus, make sure everybody's happy with the lights. Okay, and then we go, and then we go. But but there are people who this is their job. They're yes, what they are employed to do this. Yes, and I think I said. No, you're right, love, too many times and sent her on her way. I was like, go and have a seat. I'm all right. I'm not tired. And then the first AD came over and said to me, "Um, she's just a little bit worried that she's done something to upset you. And I said, why? No. Because she's just not been allowed to do her job. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm so sorry. So I was like, yeah, no, we need I'm aware of this now. Also, little things like, 
I don't know, having your name on a chair and, and the craft services being more food than anybody has ever yeah, yeah, seen yeah. Yeah. ever. And I'm just, there was just stuff like that. Did it, was it overwhelming? It was overwhelming. I think it was bigger. And I remember when I was doing Law and Order, our tea time was tea and a tin of biscuits. Yeah, because that's what the normal tea time is on most sets. Absolutely. They, they come around with a box of biscuits. Box, and you box go, of biscuits. Is there, is there any ginger nuts there? Because that's what I want with my tea. No, they're all gone. there's only crusted creams left. <laughs> Brilliant, I'll take those because that's free biscuits, thank you. <laughs> and I need a bit of sugar at 4.30. Absolutely. So I didn't know what to make of, do you want a toasted bagel with avocado and smoked salmon and cream cheese? And I was like, what, why, when, from where, how, how much will it cost me? Yeah. <laughs> So, so I've got my card. How much oh do we? Is that? Is he making? Is he just cutting sushi over there? Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he, that's, what, that's what he does. He, that's he, we employ. I mean, it's bonkers. It's bonkers. But you know, then you get to a set and you go, oh, a set is a set is a set. Mm-hmm. And thank God you get to. Know, I remember when I started on Crossroads. Actually, learning things like I didn't know what hit your mark meant, and. For the people at home. Yeah. <laughs> so there's... Um, I'm <laughs> coming after you now, Craig. You <laughs> Hit me. <laughs> um, no, no. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so hitting your marks, so basically there's a line on the floor or a mark on the floor that you need to be standing onto the camera can Otherwise, shot, you'll right? be out of focus and it'll look like a terrible shot and no one will see your face. So I didn't know what that meant and they kept saying it and one of the lovely actors, it was... Um, it might have been Roger Sloman, actually. He was like... Oh, what a legend. What a legend. Mm. So sweet. Mm. And I certainly remember him helping me with another thing as well, which I'll mention. But I, I learned, oh, you've got to actually stand on that line. There was another bit where um, someone said, we're just going to do a wild track with you, Freema. Everybody, shush. Everybody, silence. Okay, Freema. And I just stood there, like, eyeballing him. And he's nodding. And I'm eyeballing him. No idea. So just to explain to everybody at home, <laughs> again, so a wild track is a, a, a line or a little section of the scene that Save Me and Freema are doing a, a page scene. There's one line that they need to get from Freema. Everybody else stays quiet and a big boom mic comes into the front of Freema's face and she will say her line, the cat fell down the well. <laughs> and then they record that and then they add that to the scene and then that's done. There so, you go. Yeah. So... I was like, I don't know what's happening. And then the one that I do remember of Roger, I was doing a scene where a phone rang and I was going, blah, 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 hello. Um, and he said, they're going to have to add the ring of the phone no. afterwards. So maybe just like, if you want to give it like a little pause, there's a ring ring. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. So I was learning, learning, learning. So then you sort of get the technical things down, right? So then you go 3,000 miles away to a set. You're thinking, oh my God, this is so huge and big and I don't know what's going on. But then when you get onto set, you're familiar with yeah. things. I mean, of course, the bigger budgets, the more money, the more cameras, the more this, the more that. Um, so size was something that was different. But the foundations are the same. Yes, yeah. I felt so. Um, when it comes to like interactions, though, I feel like I can be a lot more... <sighs> for, for, uh, I, I feel more comfortable. And this is not anything against big Hollywood producers. It's more the way I react in situations. Mm-hmm. But I, like working with Merman at the moment, I can feel so free to go and ask questions about the creation and the development and the marketing and the distribution, things that I would feel like are out of my jurisdiction. 
but now I kind of feel like so part of this product and this community that I have a vested interest in its life before, during and after. And I want to know. And I, I feel comfortable and confident to have these conversations with them because I feel a bit embraced, actually. I couldn't imagine going to like a huge NBC CEO and being like, you know, at the upfront. So what's your plan for the marketing and distribution of our show? <laughs> I would die. <laughs> but maybe he would have answered me if I'd have just asked. But I never felt that I could necessarily. And maybe not at that stage in your career where you felt you could or needed to. Right. But now it's kind of changed and it's different. And and I wanted to ask this because, as you know, you know, we don't tend to talk about specific jobs as such when I'm talking to actors. However, having said that, we hear about overnight success like all the time. And... I've got a lot of friends who are musicians who are, you know, sometimes they're splashed on the pages of The Guardian saying, oh, they've been absolute overnight success. Little do they know, they haven't. They've been absolutely grafting for like six or seven years. And you'd done bits and bobs before Doctor Who, right? Yeah. Were you prepared or did you have help when you were announced that this is going to sort of change your life and you're going to be in the public consciousness and also you're going to be thrown out to the Doctor Who fans, who are, and I mean this with the utmost respect, a completely different breed. I mean, they're like a huge army of devoted, loving fans. Yes. Were you supported by that? Because it, it, obviously it must have changed everything. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did change everything. Um, so when I... I, I, I had a small role in the show mm. before I got the opportunity to audition for The Companion. And so I remember, I, I think that that helped because I was only ever going up for a small role. But then I learned after the, after the event that um, because I auditioned for two quite contrasting roles while I was auditioning for that small role... Um, they eventually got rid of one of the other characters from the episode, but I went up for both of them. Apparently the director liked that display that, um, <laughs> that came from the audition. So they were already like, oh, there's, there might be some people that we would want to call back later on down the line. So I didn't know any of that, you know. So that's great. I went and did my little job. Maybe wondered why some of the producers were coming down to sort of introduce themselves mm. while I was doing this very small role and thinking, oh, this is lovely. It's very friendly. Are people very kind Aren't they all nice? They're just dead normal. <laughs> right. That's what I want to work with. Yeah. Nice normal people who just happen to make telly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then uh, that little role went away, finished, and I left Cardiff. And then my agent got a call saying, they're doing a spin-off show called Torchwood, and they actually want to meet you for one of the regulars in this new spin-off show. I was like, oh, okay. That makes sense. That now. makes sense. Yeah. Let's do it. So they said, we don't, they don't have any script for Torchwood yet, but here is episode one of season one from Doctor Who called Rose. Will you learn some of that and come and, and read with that? So I was like, okay, sure. So did that, met that same director and then, of course, you've got a shorthand, like yeah, we talked about, so yeah. you're already feeling confident yeah. and feeling good. Um, got on really well. Um, Andy Pryor, the casting director, we're still great friends Lovely today. Andy He's Pryor. just delicious. Yeah. Um, 
and then went through one round, two rounds, and then I think just before the third, they called my agent and she called me and said, um, so they've actually just been auditioning you for the companion the whole time, the new companion. I was like, oh, no. She said, but they obviously... This, this test is tomorrow now, the chemistry test with David. No point in getting nervous now. You've done all the work. Just go and see what happens. <laughs> oh, I mean, maybe you should have told me that sooner. Or maybe not. Or no. maybe not. Or maybe you not. Know? I so, think there's method in that madness, definitely. I think it's such a... I, again, I don't know what everybody else's entry into it was, but that was just fine by me because I think there would have definitely been a pressure to overthink things. Yeah. A pressure to kind of go, wow, this is could potentially be life-changing. So I remember getting the train up to Cardiff with Andy Pryor. It was Valentine's Day. We wanted to go out and get some dinner. The only places we could go were like all decorated and we were sat across from each other like, should we just get some fish and go? <laughs> We laugh about it to this day. It was so surreal. And then I've told this story before. I got back to the room and David had left a little note under the door just being supportive and saying, you've come, you know, you've, you've come this far. Let's just go and have fun tomorrow. Let's just play with it. It doesn't, just, let's just keep going in the way that you have been. And yeah. Just don't. Yeah, you're going to be nervous, but we're all, everyone's here to support you. So I remember going into the room and there he was. It was a, one of the rooms in this hotel. Um, and then, and then we, yeah, it went really, really well. And then I remember coming away from there. I was working as an usher in the theatre at the time. And um, I remember I was driving. Someone, my agent called and said, can you just pull up a second? And I said, oh, God, all right, wait. So I said, go on then. And she went, um, you, didn't, you didn't get it. And I was like... What? What? Okay. Wow. I was like, okay. I dared dream and I dared hope, but, and I just got down to the last three free extenders like about the year before. And I thought that was going to be my, my one. And I didn't get it. And I was like, man, all right. Okay. I wasn't that cool about it. And I was like, but why? I think it went so well. Can you just call up and get some feedback, please? Don't often ask for feedback, but I really wanted to know. I was like, can you just get it? She said, well, I, I don't think I could do that. And I said, but why? She went, well, because it wouldn't be necessary. And I said, why? She said, because you got it. Oh. <laughs> I just was like <laughs> Oh my god And the rest is pretty much a blur We did get a lot of support My family was spoken to You know We were spoken about media How to address You know the media side of things The fact that journalists would be interested in Getting stories My Where my mum lives on the council estate There were people camped out there the whole time My yeah. neighbour was getting knocked saying How much would you give for that picture of her as a kid um, so it was, all that was going on, but I was sort of being protected from that because while we were shooting it in Cardiff, it felt like we were doing it in a bubble. Yeah. We were in a little bubble where it felt like we were just making this little sci-fi show just for us. And then it, when it came out, I was like, oh, it is a little bit of a big deal. <laughs> just a bit. Freema, this has been so lovely. What an absolute delight. Um, thanks so much for coming on. It's been brilliant. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> happy nearly birthday to happy, both of us. Happy nearly birthday to you. Have a lovely time. <laughs> okay, you too. Bye. And another episode is done. What did I tell you? She's an absolute joy. And just a call back to the intro when I said this is one of those episodes, right? What I didn't want to say was, this is one of those episodes where 
you'll say, Craig, I can't believe you've only just met that person. It sounds like you've known each other for ages. Yes, that's exactly what it was. And that is the joy of these episodes. Um, making this podcast for all this time, getting to know and meet people we hadn't met before, we hadn't met at parties or do's, we we didn't have any friends in common that we knew of until we started talking and then obviously it transpires that we did. But what a joy, what a joy. I really hope you got a sense of who Freema Adjaman is. Um, she's wonderful and I'm really, I can't thank her enough for um, giving up some time and coming to meet us on a, a drizzly, a drizzly weekday in London. Her new show, Dreamland, uh, co-starring Lily Allen and Freema. It starts, let me have a look, 6th of April on Sky Atlantic and now TV. And no doubt what they'll be doing is throwing all episodes up there for you to enjoy. So that's my tip, Dreamland, 6th of April. Um, right, okay, well, there's a Lily Allen link to next week's episode, but I'm not going to say anything. You'll just have to come back. We'll be here. Until then, I'm going to have a cup of tea. My voice is still a bit croaky from the COVID. Until then, thank you so much for downloading and saying hello on socials and generally just being the best podcast family out there. Until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And it's very, very lovely to say that this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care. I'll see you next week. The Two Shot Podcast was presented by me, Craig Parkinson. Recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. The remix of our theme tune is by Stolen Valor. Cheers.